If you're trying to make any kind of meaningful, effective change in your life, well, you have come to the right place because that is what my expert guest and I are here to help you do. Welcome to We're Talking Shift. This is the podcast where all we do is talk shift because when we're stuck and need to rise to a challenge, make a health shift, a relationship or an emotional shift, well, the first thing we have to shift, my friends, is our thinking. That is the antidote to feeling stuck. I'm Lori Bischoff, and I'm so glad you're here. Now, let's get busy. Good day, ladies and gents. It's good to be back with you again. Hey, have you ever had a recurring dream or, you know, something that was really, really vivid and you felt like it was trying to tell you something? Or maybe you had one that ended up actually being like a premonition. I, I think that probably most of us have had dreams that made us contemplate their meaning at some point in our life. So today we are going to, we're going to get some help from a dream expert. Uh, she's going to help us figure out how to better understand our dreams and maybe even use them to help us do some problem solving, just a bunch of good stuff. So Kelly Sullivan Walden, AKA the dream doctor is on a mission to awaken the world to the power of our dreams. She is the multi-award winning author of the hero's journey, dream oracle cards, journal, meditations, and app, as well as being a Walden Award nominee. Kelly is a certified clinical hypnotherapist, frequently featured in print publications, as well as on radio and TV shows like Dr. Oz. Kelly also has her own radio podcast, Ask Dr. Dream on Unity FM. She is the best-selling author of 11 books and four Oracle decks, including her latest work of heart, I love that, uh, the Amazon bestseller called Luminous Humanus. Very intriguing. It's a 365-day meditation guidebook with daily insights that inspire you to start every day the luminous way. She opens the book with the story of her near-death experience, which I am very intrigued to ask her about. So without further ado, Kelly, welcome to We're Talking Shift. Thank you, Lori. It's so great to be with you. I love the play with the shift word. That's wonderful. Yeah, it's we all have about a lot the of, shift. Yeah, right. And we have a mm -hmm. lot of fun with that. But that's true. Mm -hmm. It really is. It's all about shifting. And mm -hmm. we like to say that all of that shifting always must begin in your mind. And then, right, then you demonstrate it out into the world. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So I have a like a ton of questions I'm super excited to ask you about. I do want to ask if you can give us a little taste of your near-death experience. I know you probably don't want to share the whole thing because it's in your new book, but right. do you want to talk a little bit about it? Just give us a taste. Oh, I'd be so happy to. It's one of my favorite things to talk about because I, in order to talk about it, I feel like I have to kind of, even if I'm just doing the nutshell, I kind of go there and it's one of my favorite things. So um, the nutshell was it was it was 2008. Um, my birthday, by the way, is eight eight on the Lions Gate. <laughs> that rhymes. So on eight eight oh eight, I knew it was going to be special. Um, I had no idea it was right before the recession. <laughs> it was like, oh, this isn't the kind of special I expected. So yeah. there was a lot of turbulence. My husband and I were right in the middle of moving, and it was my birthday. I went out to. Um, a goodbye dinner with some friends of mine before we were leaving. And it was my birthday, went to our favorite Indian restaurant and I'm in the middle of an interview. So <laughs> it's all 
good. It it's all good. So uh, we, we, a friend of ours is a very, um, oh, I could just go on and on. Anyway, she brought a special cookie and she divided it in pieces and said, why don't we start with dessert instead of dessert after dinner, let's start. So I was hungry. I grabbed a piece and gobbled it down. And then it was after I gobbled it down that she said, oh, I should have told you that was a special, it's a special cookie, meaning like, you uh -huh. know, there's hash in it. And I'm right. somebody who never does any, anything. So I was like, oh, okay. Well, I don't feel anything. I feel fine. So we and had dinner <laughs> right now, <laughs> right now. Exactly. Famous last words. So oh. it wasn't, and it was literally the size of my thumbnail. Like it was just a nibble. It wasn't the whole cookie. It wasn't half the, it was tiny bite. So after dinner, all of a sudden the room started to spin. I literally felt like a freight train of energy started to stampede through my head. And I, and I found myself just doubled over on my husband. And while I was like doubled over, my hair fell in front of my face. So my friends didn't know. They thought I was just being kind of cutesy with my husband, cozy with him. Yeah. And so at some point in the conversation, they realized I wasn't responding and they shook me, yelled at me, eventually saw that I was pale. I was, they said that I had, I had gone white and I was ice cold. They were slapping me, poured water on me, screaming, totally. Oh, so they beat you. <laughs> they beat me all the when you couldn't defend yourself. <laughs> Can you believe it? You know what? Retroactively, I'm a little pissed off. I mean, Excuse me. I've got a bone to pick with these people. Right? Right? What do you look like a pinata? Now that you mention it. Exactly. <laughs> Wait, so I mean, my whole story just changed right now, Lori. I thought it was so sweet. Anyway, in, in their world, I I just like they they tried to call 911. It was a busy Saturday night. It was crowded. It took about 15 minutes for the ambulance to come. Meanwhile, split screen, I was like shot out of a rocket. Like whew, I went flying into another realm and I was aware that I wasn't in my body. I was aware that my body was left behind on earth. And I was, I was me. I was still aware that without a body, I was still me. And I was kind of wow, this is, this is amazing. Without a body, I'm still me. And of course that's metaphysics 101. We yeah. all know that in theory, but to experience it, it was quite phenomenal. And then I, I just, it was like, I was flying through space through the most beautiful colors. It was almost like it was layers of beautiful fabric. I was thinking of it like the seven veils, like there were veils and veils of beauty that I was whisking through. And with each layer, I felt like more and more wisdom, more and more answers, more and more insights were coming to me. And I was just elated. And I started to ask kind of questions as I was flying because I was in such a light state. I said, okay, while I'm here, this is probably a good time to ask the questions about the really dark things. I, I wanted to understand kind of why good things happen to, or bad things happen to good people, yeah. the Holocaust. I wanted to understand the, uh, Manson. I wanted to, like all of the, the horrible right. things. I wanted to understand them. And as I thought of the questions, it's like, I'd go down a rabbit hole of understanding the long-term, the big picture. I saw how victims of anything were liberated and there was a almost like an equal and opposite experience for them, the wisdom that would show up on the other side and the people that 
inflicted the harm, I was able to see, oh my God, they have a big, they have a huge price to pay. Like there is ultimately justice. And I saw there was, so it was like, everything was beautiful. There was, even though, of course, I would never say that. So don't tell anybody I just said that because I might get killed for saying that, but there was ultimately in the big picture of things, there was ultimate beauty and ultimate justice. Mm -hmm. So I just kept flying and feeling more and more liberated and free. And at some point I became aware of the pandemonium happening in the restaurant. Mm -hmm. I became aware and I was able to see what was happening. And yet I wasn't in my body, but I tried to communicate with everybody like, Hey, 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 you guys, Mm -hmm. it's fine. Like if you could only see what's yeah. going on, you'd be so happy for me. Wow. But instead of being able to say that all that came out of my mouth was worry about me. And they, and then they got really worried. Yeah. <laughs> I've been possessed by a swamp monster. Oh my God. <gasps> well, and, yeah. <laughs> the cookie maker must've been really panicking by now. Oh yeah. Oh, she was like, Oh, what have I done? Yeah. So I, I tried to calm him down. I couldn't, but, and I didn't want to leave. I was really conflicted. And yet it was kind of my codependence, not wanting to leave them mm. in such a horrible state while I was having the time of my life. So I, I decided to come back into my body and it was hard. So you anyway, felt like you actually had that choice to make. I, I felt like I did, but it was not easy. It was like, I, I, I equated it to imagine that you become this, like go from your body the way it is to becoming the size of the entire sky, the entire sky, and then having to squeeze it all back into a tiny little thimble. It felt like it took muscle. Mm. It took so much will and it took a lot. And finally mm. I was back in and I was able to say out loud with words that people could understand to the paramedic, check my pulse. And they mm. checked my pulse and I had a, I had a pulse and. Oh my God. So you felt like you actually had to contract, like oh. you had expanded and then you had to completely contract yourself to come back. Completely. It was, it was Amazing. so, yeah, that was, that was, that was painful and hard. And the hardest part was I don't want to forget all that I just opened to. And mm -hmm. the cool thing is, is that I don't feel like I have, I don't, I'm, I'm not living in that vast expanded space, but every time I talk about this, I feel like I do get a little bit, a little bit of it does come a little yeah. bit of it does filter back and it does change me every time. I feel like it does up level me. It's like drinking a sacred elixir, a little sip of what I was swimming in a river of then and it still connects me to it. So I, I really got the message that we can be in this world on this earth, but not be of it. Mm -hmm. It's possible to be in complete freedom and complete bliss and have the sweetest dream of this life, no matter what is happening around us, if we were to wake up. And then I found this quote, this will be the final thing I'll say about this. Mm -hmm. It was a day or two after I came back into my body, I found this quote that summarized the whole thing. And it's by William Blake. And he said, he who binds himself to joy does the winged life destroy, but he who kisses the joy as it flies lives in eternity's sunrise. Mm. So wow. I really got that it's the nature of attachment, of clinging, of holding on to anything that 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 is what deprives us of heaven on earth all the time. We could be in heaven right now, no matter what's going on, if we were to completely 
surrender and trust and flow with what's happening and go with it and trust that life has an agenda and it knows what it's doing. And if mm-hmm. we did that, there would be, it's only resistance that, that takes us out of that yeah. blissful dream. Yeah. That's amazing. So was that, so did they tell you from a medical standpoint, did you actually die and come back or do you feel, or do you feel like you you didn't you but you had this experience i feel like it was probably a like technically it was a near-death experience okay. it was at the very least a very extensive out-of-body experience yeah. but there was such a they they said that my pulse was like i think it was just almost completely flat i don't remember exactly but mm. it was they said i was ice cold i was it was dangerous like and it had been it had been at least um, on the clock, at least 15, maybe 20 minutes mm. from the time they put oxygen in me and that they they did the mm. all of that. So that was, it was a long time to be out. My husband was afraid that I was going to, if I did come back, I'd be brain dead. I'd be have, I'd have some brain problems. Yeah. And he says that, yeah, for sure. I have brain problems, but not in the way, <laughs> not in the way you thought. Thought. <laughs> I just came back wow. more creative. <laughs> but, <laughs> Wow. Yeah. What an amazing, that's amazing. I just, I can't even trying to imagine, you know, you can only try to imagine what that must've felt like, but it sounds like a beautiful experience, even though it was obviously scary. Um, for everybody to me, else. The, the funny thing is that it was, it was from my perspective, it was the best thing ever. Mm-hmm. It was the most magical thing. But there, one of our friends happened to take, he takes pictures of everything and he happened to take pictures of the event of what happened. So later when he sent me the pictures and I could see the flashing lights of the ambulance, I could see the paramedics, I could see me all like the, the adrenaline that surged through me, the being able to look at it from ordinary human eyes, Mm. it looked tragic. There was no magic in what they saw that night. Right. So it's like, God, it's so interesting. It makes me think anytime I see somebody in a hospital that looks so bad, or I see an accident, it's like, what we see with our eyes is not the whole story. Right. Somebody who looks completely checked out, maybe completely tapped in to something mm-hmm. else that we just don't have the eyes to perceive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a, that's a really good way to look at it. And I would think, um, I don't know for myself, I, I would take that information and I feel like it would give me some peace when you're seeing that other people, what you perceived to be in, in pain or danger or some kind of struggle. Yeah, exactly. And there's a lot of that. I mean, there's, especially this year of COVID, I've had a record number of people pass away, get sick. It's so it's something that it does help to have that point of view mm-hmm. that that really death is it's not an ending. It's it's a transition. And yeah, and I have a little bit of a, a tiny bit of personal experience on that. It's not just a theory that we are not our bodies, that mm-hmm. our bodies are that we're just inhabiting them for a short time. They're these wonderful vehicles to appreciate. So it it does help. It doesn't mean I don't get sad, it doesn't mean sure. that I don't get oh, attached, yeah. but that remembering is always right there on my shoulder. And I, so I love to tell the story to people, especially people who are going through Mm -hmm. a challenging time and who isn't, I mean, that's just kind of the nature of being human. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's helpful. We can't live in a more, we can't be the luminous humanness versions of ourselves without some sense that we, we live in a friendly universe that does 
have our back and that is on our side and that even the most tragic nightmares there is a there's a there's a lining there is a silver lining there is wisdom for us there's something in it for mm-hmm. us yeah got, it's like we kind of have to know that otherwise i don't know how we get through this world frankly mm-hmm. yeah so. i agree there, there's something beyond what we're able to perceive um and some of us perceive more than others everybody's kind of at a different level of consciousness and awareness yeah. and has different experiences so but i think you're right if you just are able to to kind of lean into that that life really is for us and yeah. and you know here to to support us in having as good of an experience as we want and as we can having some faith does does help us get through the the challenges and the the not so fun stuff for sure yeah absolutely you want to yeah. talk dreams yeah let's go into dreams yeah Dreams, they kind of segue. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's just uh, hard at it. We're going into dreams. Bam, now. dreams. Okay, so, yeah. Um, all right. So, do you? Is it your experience? And th- since this is your area of expertise, um, do most people tend to discount their dreams? Uh, yeah. There's there's a lot of people that I I now know over the years that are kind of in the dreaming community that don't, they're very religious about their dreams. Dreams Mm -hmm. are highly important. A lot of indigenous people feel the same way that dreams are Mm -hmm. essential, but I'd say the vast majority of people in the Western world do discount their dreams as as irrelevant because they, they are strange. They are coded and they don't, it's almost in, we treat our dreams the way that we treat people speaking a foreign language that we don't understand. It's like, ah, they're not saying yeah. anything. They're not yeah. blah, 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 yeah. blah. It's like they couldn't possibly be saying anything of yeah. any meaning until you learn that language. And you're like, oh, wait a minute. These people are actually saying something. This is important. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, it's easy to discount them when you have something that makes, there's no logic to it. It makes no sense. You're like, I don't know who those people were. I don't know where I was, you know, all of that. So, so why, so first of all, why should we pay more attention to our dreams? Well, on a very basic level, there is hard science from Harvard and many other dream study places that paying attention to our dreams make us more intuitive navigators of our life in our Mm. waking reality. And who doesn't need more navigational prowess in their lives? Every day we have decisions to make. Every day we have to make choices. And if we had more of a sense of guidance to do that, we would feel more confident and we would probably choose better and do better. So there's, there's a lot of there's evidence about this. And then we can take it, we can get up a a little bit more lofty and think about the people who have contributed phenomenally to science, to, to um, academia, to um, music and the arts. There's so many, like uh, even Thomas Edison, the, the filament to the light bulb came to him in a dream. So Mm -hmm. we wouldn't have light. We wouldn't have electricity were it not for for this great contribution that, and he was in the dark, literally, how am I going to make this? I see it in my mind. And in his dream, he was able to see that missing piece. Elias Howe at the turn of the century 
it, right before the industrial revolution took off, he dreamt about the sewing needle. And there was a lot of people at that time trying to figure out how to mass produce clothes and what that, what that missing piece was. And they were all putting the hole in at the very top of the sewing needle and it wasn't working. And in his dream, he saw these, these caveman spears going through the, going through the, the side of the needle. And he woke up and had a eureka moment and the the sewing needle was then invented and that set up major industry and that was the industrial revolution took off um and even people like uh, you know years ago stephanie meyer who wrote the twilight series she mm. had never written a book she was a stay-at-home mom and she had an amazing dream about a, a a really handsome vampire and benevolent vampire and she wrote this book and got and it's been one of the biggest selling books ever she's made millions of dollars in the twilight franchise yeah paul mccartney's song he's had several songs um um yesterday came to him in a dream mm. and um there's sev several other huge platinum level hits that have that are beloved came to came to him in a dream so many songs that we love so many great movies so much art so you know, I always say, if you dismiss your dreams, what if your great contribution, your great invention, your great solution was was in that dream and you might have missed it? Right. So don't do that. Yeah, <laughs> I I mean, that's true. If there are um, messages or in the form of um, symbology or, you know, other things coming through in your dreams, it would be really it would be really nice to be able to tap into that resource and use it in some way that benefits you in your life. So, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I have in my two of the chicken soup for the soul books that I did, I, I was the contributor and the author on the book. And I was, it was my job to curate the dreams as well as contribute some of my own. Mm. And in order to do that, I had to sort through thousands of dream submissions that came in for each of those books. And we could only pick 101 for each book, but I was flooded with stories of people whose dreams changed their lives, helped them to meet the love of their life, helped them to diagnose the cancer that, the, that the, all of the machines missed and helped to keep them alive or it, just so wow. many stories. I'm just, and these are ordinary people. Nobody's heard about them except in these books, but it's so inspiring. And they're, uh, most of the people aren't big dream advocates either. They were people that on an ordinary basis, weren't paying attention to dreams, but they had a big one that they wrote down and they took, they didn't take lying down as I like to say. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So, okay, so we know that there are common dreams that a lot of people say they have, whether it's, you know, I dream I'm falling or I dream I'm flying or I'm naked, you know, or I'm I'm on the toilet and everybody can see me or, you know, I'm, I'm speaking on stage and I don't know what I'm supposed to say. I mean, right. you know, you're you're there's you're not prepared for a test and you're panicking. So those seem to be common things that you hear a lot of people say, you know, they've had those dreams. So let's Let's talk about what do they mean? What do those really common sure. ones mean? And do, do they mean the same thing? I mean, if 10 people all say I have a dream where I'm, I'm, I'm naked on stage and I don't know what to do, you know, um, does it mean the same to everyone or is there like one meaning or does it, you know, is it kind of 
customized to each individual. So let's let's decode sure. and talk about that. Yeah. Um, so let's address that whole thing because all of that okay. was really important, what you just brought up. One of the disclaimers I write at the beginning of all my dream books is you are the best interpreter of your own dream. And anybody like me who is a frequent flyer, the best I can do is offer suggestions and share and a larger archetypal theme about what this dream may mean. And if it resonates, great, keep it. Mm -hmm. If it doesn't resonate, then consider that you're a step closer to identifying what does resonate for you. Because what, what mostly happens is people have a dream and it doesn't make sense to them and they discard it. So I've written a couple of dream dictionaries so mm -hmm. that people can say, okay, well, instead of throwing the dream in the scrap heap, let me at least look it up and see if it resonates. And if it resonates, great, then build on that. And if it doesn't, then know that you're closer to what, what, what does. So yeah. I believe everybody is unique. We are individual. Mm -hmm. So for example, some people, most people would consider dog in a dream, man's best friend. We, we all love dogs. A dog means loyalty. But what if somebody just got bit by a dog the day before mm -hmm. that it might represent betrayal? So we need to think about what's happening in our lives and what that symbol means to us. Okay. So getting on stage and being unprepared. Um, it's so funny. I was just talking about how I had the honor of talking to Shirley MacLaine years oh. ago. Yeah, I know. I know. It was the <laughs> hardest thing to do to just keep from going, oh my God, Shirley, I love you. <laughs> yeah. Um, but one of her, so she had the typical actor's nightmare dream for, for years, which is being out on stage and not knowing your lines, not being prepared. And in order to compensate for that, she became really prepared so she she was always a very prepared actress and it helped her. And in some way, that's the point of a dream like that. It's not just to terrify us. Mm -hmm. Just for, there's there's somebody out there getting a sadistic thrill watching us squirm. That's not it. It's like if we think our subconscious mind is on our side, is trying to help us, it's always an ally. And it might give us a dream like that to get our attention so that whatever it is, whether it's most, for most people, it's not about getting actually on a stage somewhere, but yeah. we may be at work or we may be called on to do something. Mm -hmm. And maybe we do need to, to check in and dot the I's and cross the T's and maybe review what's important to what we might be called on to do. So there's something usually about preparation and being ready and even maybe even dealing with the imposter syndrome, feeling that you're, they're going to find out that I'm not as cool as, as my bio says I am. <laughs> right, right. Oh, that's, that, that could is. be interesting. Like for somebody that is supposed to give a speech or something. Um, yeah. And you find, you know, in your dream, like, I don't know what I'm supposed to talk about. I can't remember anything. And there's like an audience of people. That's yeah. interesting. Yeah. Huh. So it's always those nightmares, I think, are the unsung heroes of our subconscious mind because when nobody likes them, they're always unpleasant. We always just oh don't want to have those. And mm -hmm. yet, in some ways, those come to us, they jar us awake. Sometimes they really get our attention and they're hard to forget so that we will take action, especially if it's recurring, unless it's something that there's there's certain nightmares that really we get stuck in a loop and they mm -hmm. haunt us. And that's a very specific phenomenon that's that's not, that's abnormal. And that does require therapy. That does require work to be able to mm -hmm. get somebody out of that loop. But typically 
a nightmare that loops is simply telling us we haven't yet solved the case. We haven't yet made that adjustment in our lives. And once we do, we usually get some kind of a reward dream, letting us know that you did it, you're on track. Mm -hmm. So Hmm. it's important. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So um, what about like premonitions? So helping somebody um, when they wake up and they feel like they've been, you know, is this a, is this a message? Is this something I need to, you know, contemplate? Or is this a premonition of something that is upcoming? How would you discern the difference without waiting to see if it comes to pass? Exactly. Well, that's the thing. We don't know it's precognitive until there's some kind of outer proof that Mm -hmm. we experience this ahead of time. However, if we pay attention, we start to notice certain patterns, certain themes. For example, one of the stories in Chicken Soup for the Soul Dreams and Premonitions with Cat Cannabis, she would, whenever there was a precognitive dream, there would be this particular Franciscan monk that would show up and she's Jewish, Jewish. And so she's <clears throat> having a, a monk show up in her dream. Isn't was really abnormal. She didn't grow up with monks. So he stood out, but he would always show up when there was something important for her to know. Some people I've talked to, and whenever it's a precognitive dream, it takes place in a movie theater or hmm. there's some other character that shows up or there's a particular feeling that is distinct from the rest of the dreams that they have. Mm-hmm. So if you if you pay attention enough, you start to notice, oh, this is the way I felt that last time it was precognitive, or this color showed up, or Aunt Susan showed up. And mm-hmm. so let me just, so you start to notice these things. And you can also <clears throat> be aware of what's going on in your life. For example, my mom years ago had a we we grew up, I grew up in the suburbs and in her dream, she dreamt about a, a big tractor and there was a man on the tractor and he fell off and really hurt himself. And she woke up, looked outside our front room window and there was a tractor in, in the front yard of our neighbor. And that is not something we had ever seen in, in a suburban neighborhood. You'd never see a tractor and there was a man sitting on top of it. So she walked over with her hair in rollers and in her nightgown (laughs) and just said, I don't mean to scare you, (laughs) even though I look pretty scary right now, (laughs) but I had a dream um, about a guy on a tractor and without telling you too much, I just want to say, please be careful. Oh, wow. And he looked at her like she was crazy, but nothing happened to him that day. All was fine. And had she not said something, maybe he mm. wouldn't have been so careful and maybe it would have gone worse. So we don't know mm. exactly, but you have to just become aware mm. of if right. there's something very strange in your dream and it shows up the next mm-hmm. day, consider that, that there is something, there's some kind of communication. And yeah. in that moment, I thought my mom handled that really beautifully because she didn't say, right. oh, be careful, you're going to die. Right. And, you know, it's like, oh, that could be a self-fulfilling right. prophecy. But I think if we have a dream about somebody Right. You can say, just be aware as you're traveling today, be very aware of your surroundings. And if mm-hmm. you should come upon a man with a red hat, maybe walk the other way. <laughs> maybe run. Maybe, <laughs> maybe switch seats. I don't know. Right. Avoid him. <laughs> just avoid him altogether. Right. I get it. That makes yeah. sense. But because maybe like you said, if your mom hadn't have done anything, who knows? I mean, maybe he could have had an accident and maybe just her sort of gentle showing up 
sort of was a a pattern disruptor of sorts. Exactly. A, yeah. Like an energy disruptor. And it changed maybe the course of things. Who knows? I mean, right. everything's energy, right? Maybe. Exactly. Exactly. It's a, it's just better to err on the side of caution. And I think it's better to err on the side of oversharing, but doing it in a way that's not alarmist. Like, yeah, get calm and just deliver the information <laughs> as calmly as possible. But your right. part is to deliver the information and yeah. you can ask permission. Hey, I had a dream about you last night. You open to hearing about it? Sure. <laughs> and then yeah. they say they say yes. Then you have permission. If they say no, I don't want to hear. You're like, okay, I'll tell your wife then, or I'll tell somebody <laughs> else that might be able to get in. <laughs> but I think we need to, to be res- but we need to be respectful. Yeah. To me, there's right. nothing that's more annoying than somebody saying, "Oh my God, I dreamt about you, and this thing happened." So you have to do this. It's. I feel like we need yeah. to be humble about the yeah. dream and be and treat it like we're like we're wonderful secretaries. We're deli- we're being delivered messages, mm-hmm. and it's we just we need to be humble senders mm-hmm. of those messages and not yeah, that, yeah. tell anybody absolutely what they should do or. And even when it comes to helping people um, decode their dreams, to never tell mm-hmm. them definitively what their dream means, I never do that. I always want to say, mm-hmm. if it were my dream, this is what I might think about mm-hmm. so that we don't, we don't plant we, things that maybe wouldn't have been there otherwise. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And there's so many, there's so many things that dreams can represent. And um, we want to ultimately empower each other to come to our own conclusions or to, I, to have our own aha moments about mm-hmm. our dreams. It's not about giving somebody else power. I think a lot of people, we don't do it on purpose, but a lot of people take we take each other's power away by saying, this is how it has to be. This is what's going on. And as opposed to, and what, how does that feel for you? Yeah. What feels good to you and holding that space for them to have their aha moment. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So, okay. Are there any, um, are there any common symbols that yeah. seem to generally have the same sort of meaning for most people, not all the time, but sure. anything that's common, like yeah. water or, you know what I mean? Just Yes. All of those. So, um, so you can like throw them at me, but let's just start with, we'll start with water. Yeah. In general, if it were my dream and I've had <laughs> lots of water dreams, water is represents the feminine element, the, our intuition. Sometimes water for people in dreams is very scary, just like our emotions can sometimes be scary for those of us who like to live um, a little bit removed from our emotions. Maybe we're more intellectual or we just don't want to cry. We don't want to cry. Or, oh, so we kind of, we might have an adversarial relationship mm-hmm. with, with the deep end of water. Mm-hmm. So sometimes we'll have tsunami dreams or we'll have big storm dreams or we're, we're drowning that kind of a thing. And, mm-hmm. um, and there's some people that have completely blissful relationships with, with water and deep water and water creatures like whales and dolphins. So I think it, it will give us a, it's a bit of a litmus test for how we're doing with our deeper emotions. I like that. Ultimately inviting us to have a deeper relationship. I I love that. And I love that because to me, um, Mm -hmm. the whole water represents, you know, emotion, the feminine, which to me is quite spiritual. Like that, that's very kind of the metaphysical, you know, Bible uh, version, if you will, when you talk about symbology. So that makes a lot of sense to me. I I resonate a lot with that. 
Interesting. Yeah. In our culture, in our Western world, we are kind of trained to be more intellectual and Mm -hmm. it's sort of shunned to be overly emotional or to put too much weight on our intuition or our psychic abilities that you kind Mm -hmm. of run the risk of being woo-woo or being outcasted. Yeah. But so, so really it's kind of a shadow figure in a sense, the water, because it hasn't universal, universally been completely embraced. So I think some of us are better and more fluid with it than others. But I think anytime water shows up, it's an invitation to go deep and Mm -hmm. to, and to flow and to find our ability to breathe under that water and to, and our embrace, our inner mermaid, embrace our inner whale, embrace the ocean of our emotion, so to speak. So on the flip side of that, is there a symbol that can pop up for commonly for people that is the opposite that represents more intellect or logic for people that are really emotional, but you know, because we can be one or the other and be out of balance. That is very, very true. Yeah. So often in dreams, all one quick way of looking at dreams from my perspective is to look for the masculine and the feminine quickly. Mm -hmm. So I'll, I'll look at anything that has square edges, anything that's mechanical or even like a city, like if New York city shows up in a dream. To me, I feel like there's something industrial. There's something masculine mm. about those symbols. They're pointed, they're erect. There's, ta-da, <laughs> let's go get them. And versus the water or rounder shapes or things that are more fluid. Right. So off, it's, it's, it's interesting yeah. to see the juxtaposition of yeah. those things and even swords or fighting or things that are, are, are very strong mm. or even Freudian that would you'd say all of those things are mm-hmm. very much not necessarily about, you know, penis envy, but, right. but we could say they're, <laughs> they're about conquering things. So okay. in there's it's interesting because I'll sometimes they'll, there's many dreams that I hear about an industrial city where there's a factory and there's smog. And right next to it, there's this beautiful Island and there's this sumptuous sea. And it's like, Mm. oh my God, wow. So this is like masculine, feminine side by side. And where's the person identified? Are they in the city trying to get to the water or are they in the water saying, thank God I'm not over there. Or like, what's the perfect balance. Mm -hmm. And even sometimes men and women in dreams, I know that there's some women, like you said, or some people that Mm -hmm. do overly indulge in, in the, the, the yin aspect of things. Right. So they might have dreams where they're arguing with men or arguing with paternal figures so that it's like, you see that there's this imbalance, but there's this grappling with it in order to ultimately come into peace. Mm-hmm. So we'll find there's characters that we'll sometimes argue with in a dream. Cause it's, it's almost like every, everybody in the dream is ourselves. And who are we harmonious with in the dream and who are we at odds with? And it's, it's ourselves. Oh, that's so interesting. And that is such a good thing to keep in mind because yeah. we, uh, unless, you know, somebody is sharing that insight with us and we're, and we're receptive to it. Of course, we naturally think just like we do out in the world and yeah. we're separated from all of those other beings. Right. And so in our dream, we would obviously feel the same way. That's someone else doing something or talking about something, it's, but it has nothing to do with me. What's my role right. in this? Right. It's very seldom, I believe, that a dream is about anybody else other than ourselves. I mean, Mm -hmm. sometimes we will have 
what feels like a visitation into another realm, into somebody else's life, or this is clearly insight for somebody else. But I would say that's the exception to the rule. One of the, and one of the quickest ways people always want to know how to interpret dreams. What one of the quick shortcuts is to imagine that everyone in the dream is you. And so it's like the me making out with this part of myself. Well, or, or like people say, what does it mean if I'm having sex with somebody in a dream? Yeah. You can, it's, it's the ultimate hall pass because you're not cheating on anybody. Even if you're in a committed relationship, if you're having a sexual experience with somebody in a, in a dream, you're, it's an aspect of you that you're intimately bonding with the part oh, of you that is daring and adventurous and rogue wow. <laughs> or the part of you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Good the bodice know. ripping part of yourself. <laughs> it's not like I'm not really lusting after that ex lover. It's that part of myself that I'm, I'm seeking to come to peace right. with. In a very rough and fun way. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Wow. We'll let it we'll let that sink in with everybody right now. You and right now everyone's going, huh, okay. Right. Is that one person or that from the past or that person, you know, they've been admiring from afar or that celebrity or whatever. Right. And sometimes the person in the dream, I've heard this so often that somebody will have a sensual or sexual dream about somebody that they do not find attractive at all, or they never had somebody even repulsive, even mm. like a creature. And again, from the perspective that everyone is, is ourselves, you ask mm. yourself the question, give yourself, give that person three adjectives to define their character. Are uh -huh. they, are they old? Are they wise? Are they cruel? Are they insightful? Are they fun? What are, and consider that you're deeply, intimately bonding with that part of yourself mm. and then ask the question, why now what's mm -hmm. happening in my life right now that those qualities might really serve me if I was mm. to bring in my more mm -hmm. contemplative self, bring mm -hmm. in my deeper compassionate self. So, so right. it takes, it takes, we're off the hook for thinking, I don't, I don't secretly lust for my next door neighbor right. or right. for that weird person on that television show that I hated when I was a kid. <laughs> right. Right. That's interesting, though, to yeah, to think about um, how you would describe that the characteristics and apply them to yourself. And it could go both ways. Like you said, it could be how could those characteristics serve me? Or it could be, am I displaying those characteristics in some way that I'm not being very aware of? And do I need right. to check myself? Ooh, that's good. Yeah. Where do I have an overabundance of mm. this characteristic? Yeah. Exactly. So it's, yeah, our dreams, it's kind of humble pie, um, especially if the characters in the dream are unsavory or yeah. the shadow yeah. characters. It's a lot easier. In some way, it's, it's, it's difficult to even accept the really beautiful characters in, that come to us in our dreams or people that we admire and to think that's an aspect of me. <gasps> oh my God. Mm -hmm. You know, especially if we dream about Jesus or Buddha or Martin Luther King or Angela. Yeah. My, oh, I can't even think right now. Maya Angelou. <laughs> Maya Angelou. Thank you. Not Angelina Jolie. That's what <laughs> that was, yeah, I that was we going blend. at first. And it's I was like, the well, heat. <laughs> I just did a mashup. <laughs> That's what happens in dreams. Good. I'm in the dreaming right? zone.
Yeah, exactly. But what it's, so some people there's a, there's like a light shadow and like the darker shadow mm, of the characters mm. we, we feel repulsed by. And then those who we admire both extremes, we think, oh, those couldn't possibly live in me. Oh, but they do all of humanity right. lives in, in us. And, you know, again, for me, I relate that right back to, um, if you read, if you're reading the, the stories of the characters and people in the Bible, they're all yes. about you. If you picture yourself Ooh, as yes. that, that character, that Ooh. person, what they're going through. And then, you know, you look at the meaning of that and you understand again, some of the languages, the symbology, it's always about us. We're everyone in the Bible. And it's, seems like mm. you could lay you, that kind of layers right over what you're talking about with dreams. Mm. If you, I, I think, especially if you are a student of, of personal growth, personal development, and you are really somebody that is trying to, you know, rise to your full potential and become the best version of yourself, then you would want to look at things that way, because it's, it's like a resource for you. Here you go right here. Just think deeply on this. Be right. honest with yourself and you might actually be able to, you know, to, to grow to that next level or break through something that's holding you back or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, take that to an extreme. And then we would, we would see, because we're dreaming all the time, we're dreaming right now. This is just a different type of dream that mm -hmm. we're having than the kind that we have when we're asleep. So really everyone we see is an aspect of ourselves. Yeah. We're always looking in the mirror. We're all, and sometimes we love what we see. Sometimes we don't, but I think this is one of the reasons I'm passionate about dreams. Cause I believe when people start really doing dream work, they start to naturally see the world as if it were a dream. And we stop being so they, them, other oriented. We start to see that they are me. They are, they're a part of myself instead of, trying to get rid of them. Let me try mm -hmm. to alchemize them. Let me try to embrace them and, yeah. and, and, or, and incorporate them into the light that is me. So that ultimately I always say that um, our charge is to enlarge. If there's any part mm -hmm. of us that we reject, maybe we just need to grow our light so big that there's room in the hologram of who we are for every single being, even the ones that are the most yucky or the most like, oh, that's, I don't like them. I hate them. doesn't mean that they are the whole of who we are, but there's a, there's a little pixel of them mm -hmm. in us. And there should be room in the mansion of expansion for there to be every, every being has their own room mm -hmm. within us. Mm -hmm. And then we that. don't fight with ourselves. Then we don't have to live fearful lives. And there's even there's some dream tribes that have been studied by anthropologists that that treat the world like it's a dream and they do this and the the result of it is a much more mature culture a much more mature children much mm -hmm. more peaceful adults getting along with one another and less of a hierarchy and more of an embracing perspective so it it goes mm -hmm. pretty deep i think this one little perspective of everyone in me is an aspect of me and my dream yeah. Yeah. I think that that can yeah. that can shift everything. Talk about right. the shift. Right? So yeah. interesting. And I I should have asked you this earlier. So, yeah. but now's a good time um real quick. How how did you get into doing this? How did you become a dream expert? 
very strangely, as one would imagine, I think, because I I don't know that there's many people that say, I am going to be a dream expert when I grow up. <laughs> so, my- so it wasn't a result of the hash cookie. <laughs> No, no, that was part of it. That kind of accelerated things, okay. actually. Yeah, that just my my path was already happening, and it was like whew, rocket ship from that wow. point on. Yeah, but um, I whew, what happened? So I I became a hypnotherapist about twenty years ago, and I in the midst of becoming a hypnotherapist, I started to work with clients. Um, on the level of the subconscious mind, and then when I realized that the dreams are a, the the language of the subconscious mind. So in, in sessions with people, I would often suggest that whatever we didn't get to finish in our session together, they would finish working on in their dreams and mm. their dreams would help them facilitate whatever other elements. Cause we only, you, only so much can get done in an hour, but yeah. a lot can happen in the dream time that's related and that they would remember their dreams and that that remembered dream would help give them the next step on their path. So I noticed how the therapy started to accelerate as I was, as I would do this. So that was kind of my own little experiment that went really well. So my clients would come to me with dreams. And of course, when somebody shares a dream in a therapeutic situation, they, they kind of expect some answers. So I yeah. started the, if it were my dream offering suggestions, but I didn't think that this would be, this would ever become a focal point. It had been something mm-hmm. that was very personal to me. I, I, I started dreaming vividly as a little kid and had a partner in crime in my sister, Shannon, we always shared a bedroom and shared a lot of dreams and, and dreamscapes. So that was just, it was always a really special part of my life, but it wasn't until I was in a, having a lunch with my, my book agent, I was trying to sell a totally different book. And she was telling me, so no one's really buying. Nobody really wants this book, but I think you should write a book on dreams because every time we talk about anything, dreams always come up. And I really love your opinion on dreams. And I think you've got something. And I thought she had lost her mind because I thought yeah. it was so, it's kind of like, like the fish swimming in water being asked to write a book about water. They're like, what water? What are you talking about? This is just, isn't this just the most ordinary thing? And she really encouraged me. And I did, I put a book proposal together. She sold it to Warner books, which at the time was like, you know, it's one of the big publishing agent um, publishing companies in New York city. And the, the book came out and did really well. And then that kind of created the demand for the next book and just I, I mean, there were so many things, a television show here, a television show, lots of media. And it's like, before I knew it, my life had become very, very dream centric and so much joy, so much juice. And and I love it. (laughs) Now I've written 11 books. Wow. That (laughs) is fantastic. Yeah. That's amazing. I love, love that. And so interesting that it was your agent that actually had to say, girl, why, why you talk about dreams? Why are you not writing about dreams? Essentially write a book about dreams. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, um, I, I tell this to people sometimes and they're like, okay, so the moral of this story is, is to, is to like be clueless. Like, what are you trying to say? And I said, sometimes I think our 
what's most obvious to everyone else, we are most clueless about in our lives. And I'm, I'm somebody that's got a lot of drive and I was really trying to do other things that I thought I should do. And it was like the door closed, but the window opened. And I was like, but I really want that. And it's like the universe is saying, no, 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 honey, here's this. So I feel like sometimes it's not this way with everybody, but sometimes the best things have a life of their own through us. And we just have to surrender. We just kind of have to have to trust that flow. And often the best things are not the ones we plan. And Mm -hmm. the best things happen when we surrender our agenda and ask the universe instead of here's my laundry list of what I want you to do. It's like, what would you have me do? Mm -hmm. How would I serve you? Let me serve you. Show me today what I can do. Right. So that's kind of the shifting for me. I mean, it was, I used to definitely have my, my list, but now I have a shorter list and I, I pay attention. Yeah. (laughs) I I too have made that shift. It used to be more about, okay, here's, here's what I'm going to make happen or want to happen or going to will to happen. Yeah. And then it shifted um, to that very exact thing you said. It's, you know, it's, where would you have me go? What would you have me do? Yeah. What, do you, what, what should I say? Let me be an instrument. Just w- use me. I'm, you know, yes. I'm just going to be, I know you got a better plan and much better ideas than I do. So I'm just going to be open to receive and just work through me. And yeah. that seems to be just a much more um, easy, a joyful, stress-free way to kind of flow through your day. Really, yeah. if you just, if you just kind of give it up to something greater, you know? Right. And I think in order to do that, there has to be some intrinsic level of trusting mm-hmm. the universe. I think why most of us, and even myself in, in this life, before I came to this, there's sort of an adversarial relationship with the universe, kind of like, well, this disappointment happened and this didn't work out. So I don't trust you. I'm going to take my toys away and I'm going to do it myself. So, mm-hmm. meh. and so there can be this, and I see, I mean, it, it breaks my heart to see so many people in this world and people that I love and know doing this and having such a hard time of it, as opposed to, I love my friend, Felix Wolf wrote a book called the art of navigation. And he says to treat life like it's your dance partner, mm. but it's the one who's dancing you. You're the one who's following. You're not leading the dance. It knows better what the next move is. And you have to become a really good dance partner, which doesn't mean to just go brain dead. It doesn't mm-hmm. mean to just become floppy. You right. have to have like a strong carriage. You have to be like you right. strong, but in your ability to, to mm-hmm. flow with those very intricate, subtle, subtle movements. Mm-hmm. And if we do that, I really, the more we do it, I think the more bliss we can have, no matter what, I think it's possible to truly, truly, truly have a heaven on earth experience right Mm -hmm. now. Mm -hmm. If we learn how to do this trust that we'll be safely led. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. So that's part of how I got into dreams by surrendering my, my agenda and saying, thy will will be done. 
Yeah, that's I that's fantastic. Okay, so for our listeners, if there's um a couple of things that you could tell them like, all right, if if you've got just what seems to be an unsolvable problem, yes. how would how what is the process process that they could possibly start to try to put into play to help them problem solve something? Oh, perfect. I have a program that I have on my website called Dreamifesting. And mm-hmm. I'm really proud of this program because so many people really practical people are like, okay, if I'm going to go out of my way to pay attention to dreams, I want there to be practical value in it. So dream of festing is very much about asking a very specific question at the mm-hmm. onset before you go to sleep, either journaling it. I have a meditation that I provide to get people mm-hmm. to really think about the feeling, the energy. What is it that you want? What would the outcome of that be? And let that be kind of your bedtime story that you tell yourself before you go to sleep. Then you fall asleep and you remember some dream, hopefully some little piece of a dream. And then you unpack that as if it were the the clue that solves the case, as if it were the very answer to the question. Even if it seems very strange, what does a beetle have to do with me going to Paris? Oh, wait a minute. It's green. Wait a minute. Green is the color of my grandmother's chest. Oh my God, that's where the money is. Ah, I mean, you never, (laughs) I mean, but consider that it's that crazy clue that's going to give you that Hmm. answer, or at the very least, something to embody so that you can vibe in a higher way that puts you in alignment with the answers that you seek. So, what is a, like, if you have a, if you're going through a challenging time, In some ways, the upside of going through a challenging time is that we're very clear about what we don't want, which means by definition, we are more clear than ever about what we do want. And that clarity is the blessing of a challenge. It's like the knife that cuts through all the BS and gives us very clearly, we want want respectful relationships. We want to be paid a decent amount. We want to have a home that is, we want these things clearly because we know the contrast. So we think about that very thing right before we go to sleep and Mm -hmm. even say to the dream maker, to God, this is what I need your help with. I need your help with what is my next step with this thing. And I think you can even be forceful about it. Mm. Like, give it to me. I'm ready. I'm listening. Amen. Good night. (laughs) I will expect an answer upon waking. Yes. And that's your job is to, is to take a moment while you're in bed, before you get out of bed, to write that message down because it's like the dream maker God is saying, uh, hello, I've given you scrolls and scrolls and you wake up because you want to get on and check Facebook and social media too quickly. Mm -hmm. It's like, don't Mm -hmm. do that. Give five minutes, at least first thing in the morning to unpacking your dreams, meditating on the message, and then you're free to roam. But if you don't do it first, that dream will be gone. So right. you, you must make it the first priority, even before your prayers, even before your meditation, because the mm-hmm. dreams will go, the prayers will be there, mm-hmm. but you've got to, you've got to anchor that dream. Any remembered dream, if you don't write it down immediately, 99.9% of the time it will right. go, even if it was the answer to the Holy grail, it was the lottery numbers. It was the everything yeah. that you ever wanted. It will be, it will go if mm. you do anything else first. Okay. So, must write them down. So 
if you've got a problem, ask very clearly, yeah. demand, expect some some answers, some clues. <sighs> uh, so don't be afraid to be assertive about what you need. Yes. And, and then take time when you wake up before you jump out of bed and, you know, run to your phone or, you know, start looking at things because you, yeah, you won't, you'll forget. You, so take time to contemplate and reflect on if you had a dream and what happened and look for clues or answers. Yeah. Okay. And then you can unpack it. There's, there's, I have a couple of yeah. dream interpretation formulas that I've written okay. in my book. It's all in your dreams has the most concise version of my dream interpretation okay. formula. I've got okay. other new ones, but that one is one place where it's like, what do I do? How do I interpret it? That's, that's one place to look. It's all in your dreams. <laughs> perfect. Perfect. Okay. So I know that we are running out of time um, and I want you to share where everybody can find out more about you. Do you have an extra minute or two to share yes, a going rogue story? Absolutely. Oh okay. my gosh. Okay. All right. Pick your so, fave. So, Oh God. Well, besides eating a hash cookie and dying and coming back, <laughs> no. let me see. <laughs> yeah, I, that was a good one. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, okay, so any kind of going rogue, for some reason, this is like a, this is, I don't know about how rogue this is. This is a jumping off a cliff. Well, hmm. okay, let me just, I'll, I'll say this, and this might be way too TMI, so maybe you can edit this out if it is, but <laughs> okay. um I um I'm kind of going rogue as we speak. I'm I'm writing a memoir about a very difficult time in my early 20s when I was 21. Um probably the darkest time of my life where I actually was a stripper for a year in Hollywood and I come from a sort of religious family. I was Catholic. I was a good girl. So this was not par for the course. This was not a no, predictable. I'd call this going rogue under those circumstances for sure, Kelly. Um, yes, going yeah. rogue. Carry on. <laughs> so in order, so I, I, what I, I'm practicing what I preach in terms of, I tell people whatever the worst thing, whatever your worst secret is, there's, there's, it's, you can turn it into the best thing. If you shine enough light on it, if you embrace whatever that part of yourself is that you've been rejecting, what if you have treat it like it's the prodigal daughter or the prodigal son, like bake a cake, have a feast, bring it, bring it home and, and unpack it and love that and incorporate it. And it's like, oh, wait, I need to do that. I need to practice what I preach. So for the last few years, I've been writing a memoir about this time in my life that, and it's, it's been very healing, even though I wouldn't say that going rogue story was like, yay, it was very hard and very much a, an exercise in going against myself and, mm. and taking other people's word for it and believing the authority figures at that time in Hollywood that seemed to know better for me than, than what I knew for me. So it wasn't a great it's like, it's a cautionary tale. It's not a follow my lead and do this yourself. Hey, everybody. But yeah. it's to me, the blessing ultimately is, is in being able to recover this part of myself. I feel like I'm, I'm proving to myself that I might like, I might, you can knock me down, but I'm not completely flat. I, everything is redeemable. Mm -hmm. Everything there's, there's alchemy to be found and gold to be found even in the worst secrets and in the worst things. So writing this story is, is scary for me because I have a reputation that of course my ego doesn't want to ruin and doesn't want to lose. Right. But I also feel like I've come so far that 
if people don't love me because I had a really bad year in my twenties and then I don't want them in my life anyway. So, mm -hmm. so I yeah. think there's something about telling the story and yeah. finding a, a, a creative way to do it mm -hmm. and then exposing it. I haven't exposed it yet. It's not all, it's not out in the world yet, but hopefully this time next year it will be. And so I'll have some, um, I'll have to deal with that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you just kind of let it out. Are you asking me to edit this out of the podcast? No, I mean, it's up to okay. you. If you don't, if you're not like, no, I love it. Too cringy. I, think I think it's no, I just want to make sure you didn't let something out of the bag before you were ready to. But um, the process of writing story. this has been okay. like helping every time I work on it. I feel like I'm, I mean, I'm talking right now and I'm, I'm hot because it's a hot day, but I'm not blushing. Mm -hmm. So there's less yeah. and less and less shame because it's like, oh, the lotus grows from mud. Like we all have our dirt. Right. Okay. It's some of, some of it's more hidden. Some of it's more hideous, but it's like, well, as long as yeah. we grow from it, then, oh my God, isn't that what we're doing here? So yeah. Yeah. That's sometimes amazing. we take a risk and it doesn't work out, but we can still learn from it. Well, and ultimately, and that's the thing about going rogue. You, you know, yeah. you, you probably didn't realize at the time, or maybe you did what a risk you were taking until mm. later you might have went well that was really risky for what i'm trying to become the person i'm trying to become yeah. um but now but now there's so much value in that because of because of who you've become in spite of what some people may consider that was a really wrong move it it wasn't a wrong move it was a move it's not like you're out, you know, you're a, a serial killer. I mean, you know, <laughs> you are a dancer. I mean, whatever, with barely any clothes, if any. Uh, you know what I mean? I, <laughs> not I, a you're, lot. You're not, not lot. the only one. And, <laughs> yeah. and, and, and you have been able to create an absolutely amazing, beautiful life, being of massive service to other people maybe because of maybe in spite of but it doesn't really matter it's who you are it's it, you know what i mean it's, right. it's who you are now that matters and the fact that you have the courage to say you know what i think i'm gonna um i'm not gonna hide this um i think you will be of service in a whole new level to other people that have things that they feel like they need to keep in a closet or feel shameful about, you know what I mean? So this is just another way that you are helping people the way I view it. Oh, thank you. That's what I hope. That's, that's definitely what I hope I want it to serve. It's not just my own inner alchemy. I would like it to help give courage to others. I mean, the me too movement has been very encouraging to me having so many women speak out about mm -hmm. So I think whenever anybody speaks out, it does strengthen the collective in some way. We don't feel so alone. Yes. And, and I think I, I need to practice what I preach in that area too. It's, it started a few years ago to become like a big withhold. So it's mm -hmm. kind of like, ah, uh, we implode if we hold mm -hmm. things in and I'd rather explode and have it be a little messy than hold something back. Mm -hmm. And I don't think I would, I wouldn't have this path. I wouldn't have this career if it wasn't for my deep, deep seeking mm -hmm. that I had to go on in order to stay on the planet that was caused by this deep pain mm -hmm. 
Mm. So there's, you know, there's blessings and I, and thank you for being so open and generous and not kicking me off the show. Oh my God. Get her out of here. (laughs) And I'm curious to ask you about why you ask people about the rogue, the Mm -hmm. rogue, like, what is it about that that appeals to you? Yeah. Yeah. I just feel like a lot of people, maybe everyone, I don't know, but I think a lot of people have something in them, something calling to them that they Mm. would like to, that they'd like to do. And because of their fears, because of their circumstances, because of, you know, any number of things, they feel like they can't, or they shouldn't, or they better not, the risk is too great, they'll be letting people down, it's, you know, outside of protocol, whatever reason they don't. And it's just, it's always there. And I think a lot of people's dreams die with them because they didn't have the support or the, you know, they had too much fear to just go for it. They had Mm. too much fear. And so I, I feel like when we share our going rogue stories, like when we share a story about a time that we did something that was one of those things, it was scary or it was frowned upon or we risked a career or you know whatever to do this thing um, and it turned out to be the best thing ever mm. it it gives other people permission to do the same it inspires other people to say wow they did it maybe i could do that too maybe wow. that would work for me so what's your rogue story i'm sure you've shared about it but do you have a little have, version of it you could share well i think for me i think you know my i i've i've talked to I always ask all my new guests this, and I feel like my going rogue story um, is just so boring (laughs) compared to some of the things that my guests have shared. But I guess what I talked about maybe a year or two, a couple years ago was for me, um, I think for me, it was dropping out of high school. And even though I think that that's not as big of a deal these days, but when I was in high school and I would have graduated in 1979 and I lived in, you know, suburban Minneapolis, not many people did that. So it was definitely for me a going rogue move to just drop out of high school in my senior year Mm -hmm. uh, because all I wanted to do was, was work. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't want to stay there anymore. I was done. I felt like I was in a straitjacket and this is a waste of my time. So I just wanted to work more. I already worked, but I wanted to work more. So, wow. um, so I dropped out of school. And again, these days, I think that's probably not such a big deal, but in my time, in my circumstances, yeah. it yeah. was kind of a big deal. So that's probably my that that did change the course of my life for sure uh, i didn't do the normal now i'm going to graduate now i'm going to go to college now i'm going to get a job you know whatever i i didn't do the normal course of action so i would say that that was that was definitely the beginning of a you know my the path that led me to where i am now for sure oh god okay and i see your book behind you oh yes <laughs> So this, yeah. that has the story, the, like the longer story of yeah. what happened yeah. when you, after you dropped out and right, where you right. went and what you did. Yeah, because it was only a few years later that I started, um, a business with, um, who was at the time, um, a very good friend of mine, a best friend and that business, um, which, which failed quickly. Um, but that is where I met my soon, who would become 
my husband, the man that would become my husband. So I, wow. I just, you know, one thing leads to another and yeah. Uh, and here we are. So 37 years later. <laughs> Unbelievable. Okay. Where are you hiding the fountain of youth? Unbelievable. <laughs> well, oh, honey, you. whatever you're doing, it works. No. Oh, thank Going you. rogue <laughs> is this fountain of youth. I like, I like going rogue. As I, many I rogue moments. <laughs> we age backwards, I think, when we live right? on that edge. Yeah, it was, yeah, just a little unprecedented. So good you know. for you. I love hearing that. I think there's something really refreshing about this rogue question because it's, it's not what we would expect. I mean, I wasn't right. going to, I didn't expect that. And I think yeah. you appear yeah. like just there's just something that is kind of perfect about you. And so you'd think there was never a ripple in that perfect pattern. And yet mm. I could imagine. And even though yeah. there's, you know, there's, it's maybe more common these days, sort of, but mm -hmm. I could imagine that was, that was disruptive and that was hard and yeah. it took yeah. a lot of, yeah. it took a lot, yeah. but I'm, I, so, I, I'm I proud was, of yeah. you. Well, thank you. <laughs> yes. I, I was not, I was not, I was not a good school person. I, I was not, I was not that person that you, you perceive that I would have been, you know, the way you Back just then. described to me now. No, yeah. I, I was, I was off doing my own thing and uh, skipping school and I, I didn't care at all about it. It was a colossal waste of time in my estimation. It works for some, didn't work for me. You know, You're there's here more on a than mission. one way, right? There's more than one way to live life. Yeah. So yep. just find your Amen. way. Right. Woo! I think so, there's a song that goes with that. <laughs> you can go your own way. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right. So I know you have been so gracious with your time, Kelly. Um, and, and I really appreciate the extra time that you just spent with us and you've shared Thank amazing you. things. I, I love everything you talked about. And I think that everyone is really going to get a lot out of it. I would Thank love you. for you to share where people can go to find out more about you and your services and your products. Sure. Um, my website, kellysullivanwalden.com is kind of the hub for all things. If that's too hard to spell, you can also go to ihadthestrangestdream.com. Mm. That will take you to my website. So all of my books and Oracle cards are all there. Also, you can go to Amazon, but on kellysullivanwalden.com, I have a couple of new programs going on. One is I'm calling it the Getter Done Authors Workshop. This is like a new thing I'm doing for people who dream of writing a book because mm. I've written so many. A lot of people come to me wanting suggestions and support. So I'm doing a program to help people just get her done. And it's nice. the author's journey. Um, and there's a whole bunch of other programs that I have, okay. like the Dream of Festing that is, that is on there. Um, also, I'm, I have a special series on my on my weekly podcast called Searching for Satya, the girl with the blue ukulele. I'm kind of sort of a, a mystery about a missing woman from my neighborhood that I'm trying to find using the psychics and all of the people that I know are really powerful dreamers to try to help find this young woman oh, that has gone missing. So Lee. that's, okay. yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. I know a very, very, very good psychic. Maybe I'll Connect Ask her me. if she's interested in connecting. Bring them, bring them on. Yeah, yeah I'm open because I the, right. the mother is who I've connected with who's going through a very hard time. It's been nine years since her daughter has been missing. No, oh. no contact and no wow. sign of foul play where she was last seen. But it's it's a mystery. Oh, wow. Okay. And it's 
it's happening. It's unfolding as we speak. So I'm dedicating my weekly podcast to inviting people to dream and bring on their psychic gifts and even their physical level investigative gifts to help us find this young woman. Wow. What a mission. Bless your heart. That's amazing. I'll definitely reach out to her. Um, Great. Thank you, Lori. Absolutely. Thank you. And we will share your uh, uh, websites and stuff in the show notes so people will be able to find that easily. Um, So thank you so much for hanging out with me for all of this time. I really appreciate it. What a gift. I just don't want to stop. I'm just like, I I know, I know. I was like watching the clock going, oh, no, I'm not gonna have time for all my questions. I had so much uh, to talk to you about. And and you were just wonderful, though. So we'll just let's just do it again sometime. Sounds good. Sounds wonderful, Lori. All right. All right, everyone, that is a wrap. Thank you so much for hanging out with Kelly and I today. Make sure you do check out her website. She has a lot of amazing things that I think you're going to really find helpful. Uh, if you apply them in your own life. So make sure, please, to give us a rating and a review. That inspires other people to check out all of the good shift being shared here. Subscribe if you haven't already. And until next week, um, stay feisty, my friends. Pay attention to your dreams, all right? And uh, I'll see you next week. Oh, go make some epic shift happen in your lives. And that goes for you too, Mr. Gary V. See ya.